Georgia Virtue presents the Let Me Tell You Why You're Wrong podcast. Thank you for downloading episode 293. This week, we have the shooting of a 21-year-old Paulding County woman, Marjorie Taylor Greene update of the week, Congress is fleecing the taxpayers, realtors get slapped, Gen Z idiocy, Mike Johnson in the crosshairs, Israel aid packages past the house, West Coast, yo, getting out of Gaza, and our update for the White House this week. I'm Dave Roberts. With me is my partner in endeavor, Representative Emeritus Ken Pullen. Hey, Dave. It's got a little cool this week, hasn't it? How's business? It was it was jumping. It was jumping. Even <laughs> uh, even Halloween night, because we go and sit on the uh, we go to my brother's house. And he's got twin ten year old boys, and of course they got they they love to see their uncle Dave and Aunt Connie. But we we man the, the candy on the porch while uh, my brother and his wife walk 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 with the kids and all that stuff. I just remember being ten years old, and, and these kids won't have the same experience. But my parents didn't walk us to go, to go trick or treating. We were cut <laughs> loose. Like yeah, like be home by nine. Yeah, we uh, we had a lot of kids come by this week. We all hang out with a bunch of people and pass out candy and have a few cold beverages at the same time. Uh, oh yeah, there was definitely a couple glasses of bourbon involved. <laughs> Connie yeah, drove home. I was telling you earlier, we had a deer. Like we were we were passing out candy in a big neighborhood. And there's deer everywhere now, but uh, this deer, I guess it got scared with all the commotion going on. Ran out in the street, ran into a car. I guess it breaks its neck. It's laying there flopping around in front of hundreds of kids. And finally, somebody came by and uh, our ambulances were called, fire trucks pulling in, but a passerby had a knife and uh, took care of business. But that was quite a traumatic Nobody experience. Nobody had a gun. Well, can you imagine shooting a deer in the middle of the road with, a, with about a thousand kids around? That, yeah, the knife, I think, was a better way to go. Yeah, yeah, probably. Just, it, <laughs> uh, of course, I don't know if a, if a nine mil to, to the skull would be would be any faster. No, twenty two is probably would work the best. Be a little quieter, but yeah, well, no, especially no. especially mine. I've got a, I've got a silencer for it. <laughs> yeah, and, and look, it's, it's no it's no secret because it's it's registered with the ATF. I've got two silencers that are registered with the ATF. One's a a thirty cal. One's a twenty two. Very nice. I've always wanted one of those. Just takes a while to get it. Yeah, it does. Nine months. Yep. I think is what it took me. Uh, and that 300 blackout with subs in it, I've got, I've got one that's an AR and one that is a, a bolt action, that bolt action Ruger American with the 30 cal, uh, Dobbs can on it. I mean, you can hear the impact. You can wow. hear the thud when the, when the, when the round hits, hits the, hits the target. Hey, and this week we've got no more Trump update again. So he's, we've been kind of quiet on president Trump the last couple of weeks. I know he's, uh, he, I he's saw in trial. The- yeah, the trial's going on, and I saw they called his son up this week, and he had to like— Both of them. Yeah, so I guess when Trump became president, he signed over a ton of stuff to his sons, and now his sons claim this week that Donald Jr. claimed that, yeah, I signed a bunch of documents, but I had no clue what was uh, in these documents. I just trusted my accountants to tell me if I was if I should sign or not. So it was kind of interesting. He well, was he like, yeah. <laughs> he had to turn over Trump Enterprises. Had to. Yep. But he said, so, I know Donald Jr. said they asked him about the business and running the business. He said, I, yeah, all that sounds like really, really cool to run Trump Enterprises. But yeah, that's not what I've been doing for the last four years. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't think they're going to get anywhere with that trial. I, I, I find uh, Don Jr. much more charming than his father. Yeah, he is charming. Uh, and then the, Eric's the, the, all business. Uh, yeah, but <clears throat> the way he comes off, the the way he's able to relate to people, mm-hmm. you know, he doesn't just say things like wrong. So yep. it's uh, Don Jr. is a little more nuanced. <laughs> Nothing about another uh, political dynasty that, you know, they start hand, handing it from father to son. I'm just saying he has a future in politics if he wants it. Yes, I agree. All right, so we have sad news. A Paulding County girl uh, died in shooting. This was down in Valdosta. She was going uh, uh, going to school at Valdosta State. I know, very sad. Twenty one year old Valdosta State student Brianna Long from Paulding County. Uh, she was just actually just working in a bar down in Remerton, which is a small town close to Valdosta. Uh, they were closing up. Her and her fellow bar workers 
and gunfire erupted outside the building and it actually uh, hit Brianna Long and, and killed her. Uh, so it wasn't like she was being targeted. This was fire that occurred outside the, the establishment and she was just an innocent bystander inside. It's very, very sad. And that's the problem. People, people don't understand beyond the target. Yep. You know, never, never put your front side post on anything you don't want to destroy. Always look beyond your target. You know? Yeah, this is bad. And I don't know who, I don't think they've got suspects at this, at this moment. I know GBI put out a, a, they're investigating a death and they actually put out a number for people to call in the Thomasville office down there if anybody knew what, what happened. But at this point, they don't know. And I'm surprised there weren't cameras outside that saw this occurring. But yeah, this is still an ongoing investigation. Well, it also could come from a half mile away. Yeah, it could have, but it sounds like this is customers outside the bar that were there were a lot getting of into it, it. Yeah, it sounds like there were a lot of vehicles outside the bar. People were getting into it. Gun gets pulled out, and yeah, but what a tragic. Well, but that happens situation. with drive-bys all the time. Mm-hmm. Yep. Is the tar the target gets down, and you'll find some some poor kid that catches a catches a a, a round of the head. Yep. You know, it is is. If you, and I would say if you're targeting, I say if you're if, if if you can hit your target, it's just like I said with the 278, uh, the guy that came shooting and driving through the, the bar out here, 278, as I, 50 had to be 50 percent of the patrons are armed. This right. is Paulding County. We carry guns, and no <laughs> and nobody fired. And when questioned, they said we're in a crowded bar. Yep. What if I miss? What if it overpenetrates? So to a person, it, it, they were responsible. And as soon as the guy went to reload, they they went and physically whooped him. Yep. All right. So we've got MTG, the notorious MTG. Uh, yes, our weekly update on her, it feels like. Yeah, this was interesting. So she brought forth uh, a censor resolution last week on Rashida Tlaib, which I think Rashida Tlaib, Congress lady, is probably one of the most despicable members of Congress said so no love for Rashida Tlaib. I mean, she's an openly anti-Semite has been on the really a cheerleader for Hamas over the last couple of weeks since this happened. The, the challenge. And so Marjorie Taylor Greene's brings forces resolution since to her and it fails. And it sounded like, I guess a group of 23 Republicans voted against the censor of Rashida Tlaib and Marjorie did not uh, take that very well. She's got to learn to get get along a little better. She's she's in that brash uh, Trump club. Where, yeah, she is. Where you know, where it, it kind of it worked for for the former president, but it it, it just doesn't. I, I don't think it works for. Her other than <clears throat> maybe I'm able to, able to see through it. Now is she going to lose her seat? No. But no, that it, should, should have never yeah. come to the floor if she didn't have the votes. No, and what and what she put in this, and I. I agree. I mean, I, I know I mentioned Thomas Massey probably too much on his show, but he voted against the bill along with quite a few other members of the Freedom Caucus, which she used to be a member of. They actually kicked her out of the Freedom Caucus last year. But the the text of the censor said that Rashida Tlaib, if you remember about three or four weeks ago, there was some protest in D.C. They The protesters went inside the Capitol and she put Rashida Tlaib was leading an insurrection. And what and what Thomas Massey said is, he goes, look, I don't believe what happened on January 6th was an insurrection. So if that wasn't an insurrection, you can't call this an insurrection because she did far less than what happened, the number of people and just the overall, you know, what happened. This was a lot different. So if you don't believe January 6th was an insurrection, you can't call this an insurrection. So that was the, I, that's what they were protesting. Now, that's what Thomas Massey and Chip Roy and the people voted against said, this is a can't do that and that's what was you know that's why yeah, i voted well, against it for 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 being anti-semitic and uh, openly as anti-semitic and and supporting the enemy of one of our allies she absolutely deserves to be censured yep but this should have gone to should have gone to conference and they should have trimmed that part out so we're gonna yeah, give you the censure totally, totally. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna give you the credit for it, and we're gonna give you the censure. But but you you gotta take you gotta take this verbiage out. Yeah, you gotta take the leading and insurrection verbiage out of the censor. Uh, so she didn't, and it went down. So she's got egg on her face. She uh, she started 
you know, throwing jabs at Thomas Massey, Chip Rory, uh, our Congress lady out in Denver or Dow or Ashley, Colorado. What's her name? Lauren Bobert. She voted against it. Um, uh, yeah, she, she went down swinging. She was not happy. If she didn't have the votes, it shouldn't have come to the floor. Yep. She should have bypassed it. hundred percent. Correct. Or sat down and, and talked to someone and say, let's, let's hash this out. Yep. I know. What do we need to, what do we need to remove? Cause it would have been a win for her to get the censure. No, it would have been a big win. And I saw on her Twitter page that she's this week, she's uh, bringing a bill forward in Congress to, uh, to protect, she calls it the protect children's innocence act, which makes it a felony performed gender affirming care on any minor under 18 years old, which I, I mean, I, I like that bill that she's bringing forward. So she does, but you can't win. She's not going to win the support of her fellow congressman by throwing him up under the bus on something that shouldn't have been introduced and then try to get something like this through. That's, that's going to be her challenge on this stuff. Well, yeah, she's throwing bombs. Yep. And look, Congress is a, is a giant high school. It's very yep. clicky. Oh, uh, yeah. It's the biggest one, click ever. Right. Yeah. Right. I mean, uh, Bobert and Green were, were friends and buddies when they were, when they were both on the outside. And, yep. and then they get into a, go to a fight on the floor, which essentially is like, you know, in the hallway between classes, getting a fight in front of everybody. Mm-hmm. And now they can't stand each other and yep. they're going to hold it and hold it against each other. I just won't vote for your bill. But that's not, that's not carrying out the, the, the work of the people. Yep. I agree. So now Congress folks can get a stipend for <laughs> living expenses in DC. Yeah. I found a story this week and I was surprised because I've always thought, Hey, look, I think this the congressmen, I say only, they, they only make what, 180 to 185, which is a, a good salary. But it's not a good salary if you're having to fly to D.C., however many weeks they fly, and then pay for an apartment in D.C., and then try to well, the, support the, your family the, back home if you're not independently wealthy, right? Yeah, but if the but the flights could be covered by campaign funds. They can, but I don't think you're, I mean, a lot of times you're living, well, the I guess the point is, unless you're independently wealthy, it's still, you're not making a ton of money being a congressman. Uh, no, you have to maintain two households. You can't, you can't close yeah, up your, right. you can't close up your household in Georgia and, and say, okay, I'm a congressman. Yep. I mean, so, I, I, you know, un, unless you're uh, Lucy McBath, in which case you just moved to Tennessee. Yep. And we're going to talk about being independently wealthy in a few minutes for congressmen. But uh, so as one of the last actions last year, when the Democrats had a majority in Congress before Republicans took control, Democrats quietly tucked a provision into one of the internal House rules that grants lawmakers access to an optional $34,000 annual subsidy pay for their housing and mill expenses. So if you remember a couple of years ago when uh, AOC came in, AOC claimed that there was no way from a you know person like her, she could live in New York and also live at a Capitol. You know, there's just no way to do that. So I think this provision was tucked in to help people like her pay for their living expenses in DC. So I had no clue they could do this now, but yeah, you, as a member of Congress, you get $34,000 to live off of, uh, in, in, in the district. Optional. You don't have to take it. Yeah, it's optional. And they said that so far, how many people have done this in total, 113 Democrats and 104 Republicans have taken advantage of the program, which has cost taxpayers 1.4 million so far. That's just during the first half of 2023. So it's probably a, it's not, you know, size of our government, it's not a huge program, but it's probably a three to $4 million program. Uh, the thing that this article pointed out though, is most of the people doing it, their nets, their net worth is well over a million dollars. So it's not like this is, uh, and not that there are any poor members of Congress, but there are some that don't have as much. This is people got plenty of money are going up and taking advantage of this. It was the same thing with the with the COVID funds. Mm-hmm. Is the is the quote unquote small businesses that that had millions in the bank were first in line to 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 get to get the COVID handouts, the the pay, uh, paycheck protection program, whatever it was. Yep. <clears throat> you know, I, what they did is they is they 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 got very sneaky. If if they passed a, a raise for Congress, if they just made the oh the salary for Congress everywhere. You know, <laughs> Two, yeah. $205,000 uh, $205, a year, yep. people would lose their minds, particularly people who are, who are suffering right now. But if you sneak it into the into the House rules and call, mm-hmm. it, and call it a stipend or, or a subsidy, 
it, nobody notices. It just, no, it just nobody notices it. Just flies under the radar. Yep. And I guess that's that, that's the plan, huh? Yeah, I mean, with thirty four thousand, you can rent a three thousand dollar apartment twelve months out of the year, and man, it's pays for your second place to live. Yeah, a lot of congressmen. I mean, you probably know this. I'm sure you've heard these stories of congressmen sleeping in their offices because they couldn't afford a place in DC. I, yeah. don't know if that, I don't know if that's still occurring after they're getting this money, but I bet there are some principal legislators still still doing that. Uh, yes, yeah, they 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 shower in the in the uh, gym, the downstairs gym, right? Uh, it's not the it wouldn't be my first choice, but I, but I've talked to plenty of people running for Congress that said, you know, the job sucks, right? <laughs> you have to maintain I, two households. Yes, I couldn't do it. It'd be, it'd, it'd be tough. Well, it, it and, would be and you tough. wonder why these guys, I mean, and it's like, I don't, uh, you wonder why they serve a few number of, you know, however many number of years they serve. And then they go into uh, consulting lobbying. or lobbying. Yeah. It's because that's where they make the big money. So you go to, you go to DC or, I mean, Atlanta's the same way. People, there's representatives in Atlanta that stay out. You have to stay out a year if you're a state rep or state senator in Atlanta, but then they go back and make a lot more money than they were when they were serving. So, like I don't blame them if they can make money afterwards. I'm a free market capitalist guy, right? If you can, if you can go back and make a million dollars a year using the knowledge that you gained while you were serving, then hey, do it. Yeah, I mean, you've you've done you've done your bit. I mean, it's it's no different from getting a skill in the military and then getting out and getting a getting a job that you can you know triple your income. Right. You know, exactly. Think, think about think about jet mechanics in the Air Force. You stay in the Air Force making $34,000 a year. You want to come out and go work for Delta at a hundred grand. Yep. Yep. I agree. Speaking of money, realtor commissions have been artificially inflated. (laughs) Yeah. This story kind of came out of the blue again. I didn't, I didn't know this lawsuit was going on. Uh, Everybody knows, you know, most of the time when you sell your house, you have a selling agent. If you participate in this, if you don't sell your house, you know, by owner, but your selling agent typically takes 3% from the selling price, and then the buying agent takes 3%. So this week, a federal jury ruled uh, that the National Association of Realtors and several large brokerages conspired together to artificially inflate the commissions paid to real estate agents. Uh, this decision, they say, could radically alter the home buying process in the United States. Yeah, if you could get, if you could get a, a discount broker... Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if you, plus, you know, when if you've always been able to negotiate fees, depending on the size of the house, right? If you're, if you're selling a $2 million piece of property, you can tell them, say, I'm not paying 6%. That's a, that's yep. absurd. Uh, but if you're, if you're, if you're selling a $150,000 house, yeah, 6% really isn't. Oh, it's painful. Yep. That much. I mean, a lot of real estate stuff is, is, is like a Ponzi scheme to me. You you got you got the the agent that that makes money. You get the person who owns the, the actual brokerage makes money off of that, and then it gets kicked all the way up the line to, uh, whichever the the housing brokerage is. Mm-hmm. I don't want to name any of them independently and, and insinuate that they were involved in this because I because I have no idea. But it's it's money gets kicked all the way up the line, and there's there's not a whole lot of room for for. I, I think it's the the individual agents that end up with the short end of the stick on it. Yeah, I think what do they usually get? One to two percent. Uh, say their cuts three percent. I think they may get one percent. Uh, right. You got you got to sell a lot of houses off one of percent to make decent money. That's why I've always that's why I always think real estate jobs are a pretty tough gig unless you're the buying and selling agent on a piece of property. You're not getting the full six percent, but. You know, to go into this verdict just a little bit more, it said under the verdict, the sellers would no longer be required to pay their buyer's agents. Uh, and agents would be free to set their own commission rates, which could be slashed in half or less. For example, a home seller with $1 million home can now pay as much as $60,000 in today's world, uh, which is $30,000 to the agent, $30,000 to the buyer's agent. So it's basically saying if I sell my home, I don't, I'm not required to pay the buyer agent any longer. Yeah. Well, who does? I assume. I assume the buyers do. I guess the buyers are going to have to pay out of their own pocket. Yeah, I assume well, that's what's going to have. That's what's going to happen here. What's the, what they're going to? It is gradually, radically going to change things. Essentially, 
that money is, is going to be going on their mortgage. Yes. Either, are the buy, are the buyer's agents that are going to cut down their commission to you know, 1% maybe or 2%. I mean, they're, they're not going to be able to require 3% anymore. There's just no way a buying agent is going to get 3%. Yeah, I mean, I've I've heard of some brokerages, and I can't. I think it's Duffy uh, around Atlanta that was doing one half of one percent, but the fees were front loaded. So essentially, okay. you you paid you paid to to list your house, and then uh, at, at the end, it's you could pay. I think it was one half of one percent or something like that. Yep, I've heard some of those where you pay a certain percentage up front or some kind of listing fee up front. Yep, I've heard that. Yes, this is going to definitely change uh, the real estate market a lot. Uh, the guy that was actually the CEO of the National Association of Realtors stepped down also this week. So his name was Bob Goldberg. I guess he saw this as a, a one of those things that like I just can't keep doing this at this point, or you know, it looked bad on his agency. So he stepped down. So they're looking for a new CEO. If you if you know anybody, <laughs> I'd say that tongue in cheek. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, <clears throat> and the damages in this case were one point eight billion too. So this is I don't know who's getting paid. As part of this, but they're having to pay one and a half or almost two billion dollars as part of this settlement. Yeah, and and Redfin pulled out from the from NAR National Association of Realtors. You know when uh, uh, when one of the biggest uh, search engines for for, for uh, real estate size, we're not going to. There were also some sexual uh, sexual uh, 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 harassment. Things that that went on up the upper levels of of NAR, right? They've had they've had a rough twelve months. Yep, they have. And I, I'm going to say that that uh, you're going to see more and more agencies pulling out and just say, "Look, we don't we don't want to play this game anymore. You, you don't yep. you, you don't you don't do anything for us." You know, if when they were fixing prices, you're doing something for me. But but now, if if you've got to compete in a in a new discount world. Especially as, as quick as inflation is going with houses. Yeah, I think you're going to see a lot of stuff come out of this. You'll see a lot more uh, discount brokerages come out of this, a lot more technology, a lot more AI stuff around selling houses. This is going to open the floodgates up to probably a lot of innovation in the real estate space, where it's not just going to be your typical, yeah, I got to pay 3%, 3%. I think there's going to be some creative things that come out of this now. Well, and the market has gotten so much more competitive. Yeah, you know, right, right through COVID, people were fixing up their houses, selling, moving. I mean, interest rates were like two percent, three percent. I mean, mm-hmm. and people were paying crazy, stupid money for for houses. <laughs> right. And, uh, and now the inventory is so low because nobody wants to get rid of their three percent mortgage to go get one at nine. No, and speaking of real estate, I was I, I was complaining on Facebook this week that the millage rate in the county I live in is uh, is being set here in the next couple of weeks is the school system is going to get a 21% net tax increase and the county commissioners are getting a 12% net net tax increase. But the value, the realize the real property value of homes in the county I live in is gone from right around 550, I guess, million five years ago. And it's more than doubled in five years. So where the county commission and the school board is struggling, <laughs> I'm not saying they're struggling, they're getting a lot of money, right? But the school systems having to keep their millage rate at 14 mils because if you lower it down below 14 mils, you don't get your state, you don't get your state grant. So in state law, it's got to be 14 or above to get the equalization funds from the state. So even with the school board taking it down to 14, so they can still get equalization grants, their the net tax increasing is going to be 21 percent. And what a huge! I mean, 21 percent. That's one of the reasons I, I've been stumping against the uh, uh, the East Blast, or the continuing the East Blast out here. Oh, yeah, all is, of them. Is well, we have to we have to pay our bonds. Well, pay yeah. them. The bond rate didn't go up. It's not most of those uh, municipal bonds are not variable. Right. Whatever whatever you borrowed at is what it is. And yes, you, yes, you have to pay your bonds, but you also got an inherent increase in in a. Uh, uh, and tax just oh, by because of property values, yeah, yeah, just by going by and saying, "Oh, your house is worth double what it was five years ago." What? Yep, totally. It's the same. It's the, it's the same house. I haven't bought, sold, or refinanced. How? How? How are you? Nope. Your, your taxes uh, went up three thousand. Mm-hmm. Pay me now, please. I know. I hate to come down too hard on them because 
they are trying to juggle a couple different things, but eh, you know, 20% increases. And this is not just the County I live in. This counties all over the state are getting huge increases in, in tax increases. I mean, more and more money's coming into school systems and, you know, if you're going to get 20% more in a school system, show me where that's going, right? How's that helping? Uh, and I'm not sure anybody can share that. Well, the school system out here could do could do other things like, I don't know, how many times I've said it, four-day school week, reducing transportation expenses. Don't start the school year until after Labor Day when it, when it starts to cool off a little bit. Yeah, that would help tremendously. Oh, yeah, the, the, the energy consumption. So there, there are things that they could do if they were actually serious about saving money, but they're not. Is you know uh, buying propane buses, which is amazing to me because propane's not cheap. It's it's not like you're, they're actually saving anything, and it's no better for the planet because you cannot produce propane without producing gasoline, and you can't produce any of those without producing diesel. I mean, it's a it's all in the refinery process, so it's not like it's not a fossil fuel. So, so I don't know. <laughs> all right, speaking of educational problems. <laughs> This is your headline. Gen Z is really dumb. Yeah, this study came out this week. It was conducted by Deloitte, which is a consulting company. They said Gen Zers, who, again, this is people born in the late 1990s to the early 2010s, are more likely to fall for online scams than their millennial or baby boomer counterparts in the United States. Um, yeah, so basically these Gen Zers are always on their phone. Uh, they're more, they're more, they have higher rates of victimization, online phishing attacks and cyberbullying than older generations. And they also have slightly, uh, actually have slightly lower rates from romance scams and identity theft than millennials. So while they, they get, they fall for more online scams around, uh, uh, uh phishing attacks and cyberbullying, they don't fall for many, uh, for online dating. <laughs> No, no, you want to date uh, IRL, as the kids say. Yep. And they're also more likely to get their social media hacked uh, and their location issues. You know, I was telling my wife this story last night because she is in uh, this this organization where I, I cannot remember the daggum name of it, where we live, where it's all teenage girls and they have a dance coming up. And I know these teenage girls, I don't, I'm not sure. Yeah, I guess they are Gen Zers. Uh, the girls had to send out envelopes, mail out envelopes to themselves to invite them to the party. They didn't know how to address an envelope. They didn't know how to put a return address on an envelope. (laughs) And I guess I shouldn't be surprised because who mails an item nowadays, but are we just not teaching any skills? How how do people not know how to address an envelope at this point? They don't know how to write a check. No, but they didn't know how to. They didn't know how to put their address on the front of an envelope. Like they didn't know they had to put the city on it, the state, the zip. Someone put their address on it, and they left out the zip. Some put the wrong zip. Some. I mean, she said it was just amazing uh, that a bunch of eighteen-year-old girls, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen-year-old girls, don't know how to send an envelope to themselves. Yeah, and it, and it goes along with this story, right? I mean. God, are we getting dumber? I mean, is that what's going on here? We're just getting and, and, dumber and dumber I, as the time goes on. Like there's no remember. there's no skills. There's no like just life skills being taught any longer. Yeah, I don't remember what grade it was, but we certainly learned how to address an envelope. Yeah, I sent out thousands when I was running for office. <laughs> I, mean, I was like, every day I was writing envelopes and addressing them. But uh, yeah, I guess I should ask my own kids. I mean, do you know how to send out an envelope to somebody? Like write a letter and... Uh, properly address a letter and properly address an envelope, but everything's text messages now and, and, uh, emails, right? So there's just not a need to fold a letter and mail it to somebody. Ah, you still send, uh, a lot of people supposed to send Christmas cards, birthday cards. Yeah. Uh, but you can get all that stuff printed and sent nowadays. Like you go online and upload your pictures and upload your addresses and they'll send it for you. But yeah, I agree. I mean, there, there's there wedding invitations are things that you'll have to send out one day. So you've got to know how to address stuff. Well, technology has changed a lot of stuff. You, you used to uh, wait for mail call in the army. Is that was that was a big day? You know, you got mail call, and uh, 
you had to be able, you had to be able to write back is that there was no email. You're talking yep. 1995. There, I mean, I think email existed, but even even later years, texting was like a buck a message or some something. Stupid. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> I was in a fancy football draft, a, a, a live draft, and uh, someone said, "So and so can't make it. Let, uh, can you call him?" Because I'm not going to waste my minutes. Like, I said, what, what minutes? What are you talking about? How's a business owner not have <laughs> not have uh, unlimited plan? <laughs> I know. All right, so liberals attack uh, the speaker, Mike Johnson, because he's normal. Yeah, because he's poor, right? Yeah, this was the craziest headline this week. The Daily Beast, which is a liberal news outlet, published a report headline, does the new speaker of the House, Mike Johnson, have a bank account? Uh, basically, this new speaker of the House, you know, he's from Louisiana. Uh, he lives paycheck to paycheck, like we were kind of talking about earlier, because it's so expensive to live in D.C., He's not a multimillionaire. And for some reason, they think this is a negative thing. And there's, so after they published this article this week, there's been a lot of pushback now on the Daily Beast reporting on this to, from normal people like ourselves that say, well, this guy's just living paycheck to paycheck like everybody else in America is. And I was sort of shocked that they went after him because he was poor. I mean, I've, or not poor, but middle class, right? The guy's middle class, and the liberal media attacked the new speaker of the house because he's middle class. It's just amazing. They're they're elitists. Oh, hundred percent. Uh, I can't remember what uh the the lead writer or owner of Daily Beast is Dana something I think. But yeah, I mean all he all he's missing when he's on TV is NASCOT. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah, they're they're they're, they're elitists, and on one hand, they applaud uh, AOC because well, she was just a bartender and, and and got into politics, and and she's out there crying she can't afford to live in D.C. And then you have somebody who is doing the same thing, but happens to be on the other side of the aisle, and all of a sudden that's a problem. And AOC's net worth has uh, gone up quite substantially since she's been in office. Oh, yes, I'm sure. But, yeah, but this guy was just a normal middle class guy that's. Yeah, I'm sure got elected to Congress. I mean, he is a lawyer, so I mean, I'm sure he's not. I mean, he's upper middle class, but he's not like a multi multi millionaire. And you know, they 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 don't complain about when Pelosi makes all these stock trades. It makes her millions, or even I'm, I'll be bipartisan here. Tommy Tuberville trades stocks all the time. That on it, what it looks like is insider information. But they're attacking a new speaker because of this. They're just, this is just. This is just crazy. They went this route with their attacks. Well, I don't think Nancy has ever made a bad investment. Never once. Yeah. <laughs> Never. If, she outpaces the Dow. I mean, <laughs> big time. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's a Nancy Pelosi like stock tracker online where you can go out because anytime you uh, sell or buy a stock as a congressperson, you have to report that within a certain number of days. So there's an online Nancy Pelosi stock trader that you can follow, and she always beats the market with her trades. Well, I guess if, if you want to start a start a fund, a mutual fund called oh, the, uh, the the Pelosi Index. Yeah, there's a Pelosi stock. I mean, yeah, I follow the Twitter account. It details out. I follow hers. I follow Tommy Tuberville's because he's on some very influential Senate committees. There's a handful of people in Congress that are always buying and selling stocks at the right time. <laughs> I, I don't know what to think about Tommy Tuberville. Yeah, he's taking a I, lot of heat this week with you know, holding up all the military promotions. Yeah. And it is, the last couple of weeks, he's been, t- he's been taking slings and arrows on that. Hey, look, he's not necessarily wrong. So we, need, we need to separate this out. Yeah, we you do. Know, I agree. Not, uh, I, I don't. I don't necessarily disagree with him, but he's not making any friends, especially in Alabama, where you, where all the opponent has to do is say, "Look what he did to military pay." You can't tell me he supports the, or uh, military promotions. You can't say he supports the troops. I know. No, you're right. So, House passed a uh, financial aid package to Israel with a twist. <laughs> with a little bit of a twist. With a little bit of twist. So, yeah, this just this is kind of. Breaking news as we record this podcast, but the House voted 226 to 196 to uh, pass a $14.3 billion, $14. billion aid package to Israel 
Uh, this was opposed by 12 Democrats and two, actually two Republicans opposed the bill and 12 Democrats supported it. I think Thomas Massey again was one of those that opposed it. The interesting thing about this was this aid is tied to cuts in the Internal Revenue Service. So in, in an attempt to offset the cost of $14.3 billion in aid to Israel, the House would rescind $14.3 billion in funding for the Internal Revenue Service. I'm all for that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's now, like you, I think like you were going at, this is dead on arrival in the Senate. The Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer has already called the House GOP bill a deeply flawed proposal. Old Chuck U. Schumer. <laughs> yeah, he is... He's not going to bring. He's not going to bring it to the floor. Again, this is the Republicans separating out. Uh, you know, separating out bills. Take it. Uh, take it away from. Not away from. But if you want to talk about uh, Taiwan, we can talk about Taiwan separately. If you want to talk about Ukraine, we can talk about that separately. We're not going to give you this giant sum of money to dole out for the for the executive branch to dole out as they see fit. I agree. I agree. And These I have need heard to be that, single subject type bills. Let's debate. Let's uh, you know. Let's debate Ukraine aid. Let's debate Israel aid, Taiwan aid. But these all be split out different. So, yes, you, if if you have a give and take, you have to take from one area to give to another. If you don't want to add to the budget, and the IRS is good good enough place as any. Even if it got through the it got through the Senate, it it, it would never. Uh, the president was not going to sign it. No, they don't. The question they, is, what do they do next? Right. Um, I think I think Chuck takes that bill, guts it, turns it into a vehicle bill, <laughs> and sends it back to the House. Yeah, we'll see what he does. Um, you know, I, I I said this earlier, and I don't know if it makes any sense or not. But if we're borrowing money to send on all over the world, I don't know why those countries don't borrow money from us. Uh, to help to support themselves. And, you know, I, I do support the aid going to Israel, but the challenge there is like, we're giving money to them. They're going to blow up the West bank and then we're going to pay money to rebuild the West bank. So as soon as this ends, all we're going to do is pay to rebuild the whole place. So we're, we're giving money to tear it down and then we're going to give money to build it right back up. Well, there's a meme that went around. And it was the the rockets going up and the uh, and the Iron Dome uh, going. You can see both both uh, missiles heading towards each other, and on the left, uh, where it has uh, uh, Palestinians firing, it says U.S. tax dollars, and on the right, it shows the Israelis U.S. tax dollars. I know. I mean, it's it's it's, it's absolutely true. I mean, you send billions to Iran, yeah, who hates us. Uh, you entertain the, the the leader of 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 Hezbollah, yeah, uh, and then you've got Americans running running down the street waving Palestinian flags like you, you, the world's upside down. But yeah, I I said it before. I think bonds are the way to go. Is is you know you don't have to pay us back immediately, but you will pay us back. Yep, I agree. And you know they don't. Other than we have treaties. We're not obligated to, to 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 go and help Israel, but I, I much prefer I much prefer sending them them money uh, them money than than sending them blood. Yeah, very true. And I want the, I want the Israelis to win. I want Hamas gone. Yep. I mean, I can't I can't imagine live, living uh, knowing any second rockets are going to are going to come crashing and through. I can't imagine your family. Living, in that, living in that situation. I don't know if you've seen, but Hamas leader keeps giving interviews. He lives over in, I think it's Qatar, and he's a multi-billionaire. All right, let's oh, take yeah. that. Let's take this guy out. And if we really want to get rid of Hamas, you got to take the head of the snake out. I don't know why they just let this guy get on TV and continue to spout all his uh, all his craziness. Because it could take, be an act of war. Take that guy out. It's because he's in a he's in a uh, friendly country. Uh, I mean, I don't know how friendly they are behind the scenes, but, but yeah, we have we have bases yeah. we have bases in Qatar and all that stuff. So we got craziness from West Coast. Yeah, crazy, right? Uh, yeah, I did not know that uh, 
but we'll be quick on a story, but basically, uh, Ohio, Oregon, the Oregon uh, Education Association, who is OEA, represents more than 40,000 teachers throughout the state, said that standardized tests are inaccurate and equitable and don't accurately measure student learning and growth. So basically, they declared this week to graduate high school, you no longer have to pass any standardized tests that just includes basic reading, writing, and math skills. So they're letting everybody graduate no, with no like preconditions or requirements to get your diploma. You can wipe your butt with a high school diploma. It's worthless. <laughs> First of all, yes. it's getting more worthless. I mean, yeah, I, I was, I always got mad when I heard superintendents come and they'd come to the chamber of commerce and stuff and they brag about graduation rates. Our graduation rates ninety eight percent. Like that's not that's not the idea of graduation. It's not just do your time and get and get your piece of paper. It's it, you should you should have a standard. And 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 if you're if you're graduating, if almost everyone graduates, if you only have two percent dropouts, that means that that the subject matter isn't tough enough. Yep, I agree. But they they're just they're they're dumbing everything down. Now these kids will come out with a 4.0 and walk into a college and they're going to be laughed out of class. You, you shouldn't have to teach reading at college. No, these kids are going to graduate. It's like you said, these kids are going to graduate high school and go straight into college without basic math and reading writing skills. Yeah. You should be able to, before you get out, get out of high school, you should be able to do a fair amount of, 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 uh, uh algebra. Certainly before you get to- out of middle school. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I agree. Definitely high school. I mean, look, I don't use, I don't, I, I don't use algebra. I use it every day. We solve for X every day with, with what I do. You know, it's not that I'm an engineer or anything, but if you're, if you're trying to figure out how, how many cubic feet per minute to put in this, put in this house, yep. you've, you, you've, you've got to kind of, kind of draw it out. Yep. So yep. Uh, an American woman is suing the U.S. government for, for getting her out of Gaza, for not getting her out of Gaza. Yeah, for not getting her out of Gaza. So this lady, she's 81 years old. She's from Daly City, California. She's suing a secretary of state and the uh, U.S. D- Defense Department claiming they are violating the U.S. Constitution by not evacuating Palestinian Americans from Gaza. I, I, yeah. So uh, she's disappointed that the U.S. government, so her, her relative uh, out in California in the Bay Area said she's disappointed that the that the U.S. government has left a, one of their own family members stranded despite her U.S. citizenship. Uh, the lady obviously is scared, wants to get home, and has now filed this lawsuit in the district court at San Francisco. What do you think about this? The only reason she has a chance is that it's in San Francisco. <laughs> yeah, that was kind of my thought, right, when I saw U.S. Uh, no, district court in San Francisco. Is there is there a legal requirement? Now, do we want our citizens back? Absolutely. Oh, 100%, yes. But All the hostages, it, everybody there that's well, U.S. citizen. What's the what's our actual obligation? We have to do we, are we supposed to go start a war to go get to go get a handful of Americans out that probably shouldn't have been in Palestine to begin with? Yeah, and there's a lot being held hostage also. So this lady's not being held hostage. She's just in there in Gaza. And can't get out because Egypt has had the border closed for quite a while. You know, they're letting a few people out every day. But yeah, I mean, what, what happens if the district court in San Francisco says, yes, uh, we're going to grant your order or, you know, you're going to win your lawsuit. I know it's not going to get the quick, but I don't know what kind of future precedents that would set in, in any kind of hostile situations around the world or in the future. Right. Right. I and mean, they look, these aren't these aren't troops being left on the ground, right? These these are folks that voluntarily went to uh, went to Palestine. Now I'm more concerned with with hostages that were taken from the Israeli side, yep, because they were visiting a friendly friendly country. I mean, look this this is not up to us. This is up to Egypt and honestly Hamas. It is because right. they can they control that border crossing, and that border crossing is a little strip of land. Yep. And it's it can only in Egypt. It basically said you're not going to flood us. We're going to let you have so, so many people per day, and as we get them dispersed wherever they need to go, they will take more. Isn't that interesting? These other countries or uh, their uh, immigration, how how they control it. 
like Egypt's doing right now. Like no other country over there is taking in all these people. Like they're just stuck. And then our southern border is just wide ass open. Like yep. H- hundreds of thousands of people come across the border this year. Uh, but over oh, yeah. there, it's like, yeah, we're not we're not letting anybody in. And that's what I don't know if you saw the Prime Minister of Poland. There's Prime Minister of Hungary. You know, people are really getting on those countries because they're not taking in people uh, uh, from Middle Eastern nations. They're like, we're not taking people in that are not going to simulate our culture. We're not taking people in that want to kill us. We're not taking people in that commit crimes. And we're just not doing it. We don't care what the U.S. wants us to do. We're not doing it. Kind of interesting. There's been a lot of pushback lately on that. Yeah, no, look, the United States used to be a melting pot. And the idea was you added your flavor to the to the overall to the overall uh, uh, society, and now it's more like a salad where yep. you can see all the individual ingredients. It's, it's no longer it's, we're no longer melded together. It's like you have Mexican Americans, we have Palestinian Americans. Like look, you, you need to, you need to be uh, if this is where you want to be, and, and you and you want to be an American, you should be an American first. Yes, I agree. And other countries are figuring that out now. Uh, they're figuring out it's not good to let people in that don't want to assimilate to the culture and the country. And it's just not good for them. And countries are starting to cut cut back on that. Well, look at the damn French. They they honestly brought in a lot of folks from the Middle East yep. as cheap labor. And what's happening is that they're, they're, these, these folks are getting their essentially their own neighborhoods mm-hmm. within France. And that's where the uh, Charlie Hebdo... Uh, a shooting came from right so and but you have these these pockets all around all around a large part paris and then they get upset and go riot and the french have no defense against it yep i mean the you know the international french salute is putting both your hands in the air you are correct this is a good time to remind you these are our opinions, not those of anyone, not on the show or any respective company for which we may work, own, or otherwise associate ourselves with on a regular or irregular basis. Also, you can find other episodes and relevant stories over the georgiavirtue.com. This, is, this has been a fun story, your Mule of the Week. <laughs> it has been a good one, hasn't it? <laughs> Tell us about it. So, old boy walks off of a medium security prison where he was using a... What, what's it called a road grader? Yeah, like a road scraper. You know, one of the big. I mean, if you live in a county, you've got these big, huge scrapers that come down to dirt roads and you know, scrape the roads. And uh, so he was on a road scraping detail in Southwest Bartow County, which is down in South Georgia, and just drove his uh, caterpillar right off the detail left. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we're not talking about a mastermind here. You know, we had the story of the guy who who escaped by by shimmying up a wall. Yes. And but this this they handed this guy the keys. Ah yeah. man, and, and the and the uh, uh, the the equipment was found 116 miles away. Yeah, and you see these work details out a lot. Uh, you know, this is prisoners that are on. Yeah, you know, they're not hardened criminals or convicts, right? These are people who are typically getting out pretty soon. Uh, people like doing this. I've talked to people. I used to work at a golf course and they were, we had prison labor on the golf course. They love coming out to the golf course. I mean, they'd be out there in the middle of the summer, weed eating. And I'm like, God, that sucks. And I'd ask them, they said, no, we love this. So this guy was supposed to get out of jail in December. It's November, early November. And he goes, Riding down the road and the Georgia Department of Corrections, you know, they're, if you've ever seen their website or their Facebook page, they're always putting out puff pieces and, and how great they are. They didn't put anything out on this. Um, they ended up finding this, what, five days later, Dave, and a hundred and, like you said, 18 miles away in a parking lot in Bloomingdale. Still yeah, hasn't found him. <clears throat> yeah, still, still has not found Richard. He's still on the, the run. Well, a couple of things that that, that uh, Jessica pointed out is that he wasn't going down 16 or anything like that. He, he's not like he was running down the interstate. The, the max <laughs> speed on that thing is, is yeah, 22 miles an hour. And I have no <laughs> idea if, if he if he knows where he's going. 
or if he had if he had any help or plan or, or anything else. But he, uh, as of recording, he still hadn't been found. No, twenty two miles an hour though. <laughs> Wide uh, open. And look, he wasn't by himself either. So you never see just one prisoner out working. So he had a whole detail with him. I guess the guard, I mean, this was around 1230 when he drove off. Maybe a guard went to McDonald's and got something to eat. But yeah, he just drove off. I wonder what other prisoners did when he drove off. Were they like, hey, dude, you know, like, what the hell? You're leaving us out here. Well, most of, most of them because they're, you know, they are trusted on work details. <laughs> right. They're, is, they're like, uh-uh. No, I'm no, no. Like I said, these, these aren't lifers, except this guy will never see that. Well, be a long time before he sees the outside of a prison again, because he's not going to be on outside, outside detail anymore. Yeah. He was just serving a sentence for possessing, a, possessing a firearm by a convicted felon. Uh, and he was, again, I think Georgia virtue reported that he was due out in December. So he dude had less than a month, month and a half to go. Maybe, uh, Maybe he found out that some boy was messing with his girl that he was about to get out and hook up with. So there's, there's gotta, this has got to be, there's a woman involved in this situation somewhere. Or, or he doesn't, he doesn't want out. Or he doesn't want out. Yeah. This could be a, this could be one of those situations. <laughs> cause, cause they will, they'll take him back and they'll, they'll, they'll rearrest him and arraign him for uh grand theft. Yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's. It, I don't know if you call it. I guess it's. I mean, it's sort of an automobile. But hit him with a grand theft. They're going to hit him with with escape. Yeah. And, I and, know. And, and he he may pick up another another ten years. So that that may be that that he doesn't want out of the institution. Yep. But this is not the first time we've seen guys that are short, short, short time before getting out that that will run off. Those guys that go that those. I can't remember what exactly the story was, but he escaped from a transition center. Like, dude, you're out. Mm-hmm. Like you were out, you were done. Yep. So we have a couple uh, uh, White House updates. Biden uh, Friday uh, went to uh, Lewiston, Maine, because I think those people have been through enough. But <clears throat> but he's going to go out. He's going out to visit families and those who were who were uh, injured, and the fir- uh, first responders and nurses and doctors and and all that stuff. Yeah, but I mean, the main point of this visit is to rail against assault rifles and to say we need more red flag laws. We need to ban assault rifles, high capacity magazines. Yeah, he's going up there, but his he could care less about the people. Like if he cared about the people, he'd be, I, I don't know if you saw this, but this summer there were about 18 people killed in Dadeville, Alabama, I don't think. And it was like gang on gang, you know, black crime. I don't think he went to Dadeville. The same weekend that all this stuff happened, I don't know if you saw the numbers in Chicago with the number of people that were killed in Chicago, had shootings all over Atlanta. He only cares about this stuff when it fits his narrative and agenda, and that's the only reason he's going up there. He's running for re-election. This is this is on his platform. He yeah. knows damn well he can't get any sort of firearms bill through Congress right now. Nope. They don't have the votes in the House. They does not have the votes in the Senate. Uh, all he can attempt to do is is executive order. At a certain point, that becomes illegal. Yep. And look, if they had the House and the Senate, I don't think they could get this through. No, because uh, you have I, Joe Manchin out there. Yeah, I just I don't from, think they from, could from get West it Virginia, uh, who who may be a Democrat, but he sure as hell is not is not is not voting in an anti gun bill. Christian uh, Christian Cinema. Yep. Uh, same thing. She's she's from Arizona, and you know that's. Oh, and I think you've got a lot of Rust Belt type Democrats too, or Democrats that are in. You know, they won fifty, fifty two, fifty one percent, and know something like this would quickly get them out of office. So no, he doesn't have the votes. He's just pandering to his base, which is the same thing he's doing in the next story we're going to talk about. Well, this this is what he does. Uh, <laughs> Biden announces plan to combat Islamophobia. Yeah. So after all the. Anti-Semitic stuff we've seen over the past week, right? Israel getting a terrorist attacks against Israel. We've got all these dumbass kids protesting around college campuses, uh, you know, taking a side of Hamas and, uh, you know, terror organization. He comes out this week and announces a plan to combat Islam, or Islamophobia. Islamophobia. Uh, and him and Kamala made a big deal about this week. Uh, they said there's no place for hate against, you know, for, there's no place for hate in, in America against anyone, period. And that's what White House Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre said this week. 
I mean, is he like, what kind of tone deaf is this dude? All right. Just, so by supporting is, Israel, yeah. he, he ticked off a lot of people who were pro-Palestinian. Yeah, he ticked off his hard so, left base. Right. So by, by doing this, I think he's trying to shift it back to, no, we don't want, we, we don't want anti-Semitism and we don't want Islamophobia. Uh, uh, but is there, I mean, have you seen a lot of Islamophobia going on in the U.S.? I haven't seen that. I've no, seen a lot have of- I seen uh, anybody's want to, or anybody's picture up on a poster, have it ripped down? Because they yeah. because they don't like they don't like Muslims. No, no, not at all. This is yeah. There's so much Jewish hate going around at the moment. Been for him just to come out with this this week. Uh, I mean, this guy's terrible. I mean, we. It's like every week he comes, he gets even worse, which even puts more emphasis on the Republicans' primary coming up in four or five months now. But uh, I, 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 I have no idea what's going to happen with that at this point. Goodness, I mean, this is just, I mean, it's tone deaf uh, announcement this week out of the White House. And, and to throw Kamala Harris out there, she is a miserable politician. Well, Nobody well, she, likes her. She already, she already fixed the border. So as the borders <laughs> yeah, right, are, right. She, she, you know, we'll, just, we'll, we'll put her in charge of Islamophobia. Yep. Something that ha- has no definition. Uh, no. It's, if, you, if you put it Islamic phobic. That means you're you're scared of Muslims, and that's no, that's not, that's not what it I is. Uh, I don't even most Israelis don't dislike Muslims for being Muslim. No, I don't think they do at all. No, they don't like they don't like Hamas and they don't like Hezbollah. Yeah, they, they don't, don't like, like people terrorists. firing rockets at them. But you know, there's no there's no huge anti-Muslim sentiment in, in Israel. It's it's anti-Hamas. Yep, I agree. Uh, real quick, Biden releases an executive order on AI. Yeah, because Biden knows so much about artificial intelligence. But yeah, this thing does. So he releases an executive order. It does three things. It, it directs the Department of Labor to drill down on a potential for AI to cause rampant job losses. It tasks the uh, Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, which we typically refer to as a CFPB, and the Department of Housing and Urban Development to address how AI could worsen discrimination in the banking and housing sectors. It requires the Office of Management and Budget and other agencies to determine how the government can use AI without undermining data privacy. Word salad. So there you go. You got a bunch of bureaucrats now trying to figure out how AI is going to impact all of us. Yeah, word salad. It is a word salad. But I mean, look, think of the billions of dollars that would be spent and the number of people that would be hired to come up with something that's probably about 15 years behind what's actually going on in the real world with AI. Oh yeah, I mean, as, I mean, half of them st- still think that we're talking about the robot from Lost in Space. Yep. Man, I don't know. I did see. Speaking of uh, hiring, that the number two job increaser uh, was government. Mm-hmm. Something like fifty-one thousand jobs. Jeez. <laughs> Figures. All right, what you got for a closing thought, Kenny? You know, I just realized we're in November now, and did did we have a really mild hurricane season this year, or did I just miss something? I think we did, didn't we? I mean, there were some some that there in the Pacific. Yeah, there were some Pacific hurricanes that were really and, and, strong. And there was but some, we didn't. There was a there was a glancing blow here or there, but no, we didn't yeah, have us. We're pretty we much done have, with it at this point. Yeah, so yeah, we didn't have Katrina. Hey, good for us. Good for the uh, the coast down there that we really didn't get anything major this year. Well, you and, know, it's climate change. Yep, and it's climate change. And as this podcast release, it'll be getting dark about 530 in Georgia, which is the most miserable time of the year that it gets dark when you get off work. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it's it's dark when I get home from work a lot of times anyway, when, when, things, are, when things are popping. But uh, picture Will Smith has now won his third consecutive World Series playing for three different teams in three different years. Wow. So where's he going next year? Hopefully back to Atlanta. <laughs> I mean, I'd rather be lucky than good. I mean, You know he, how superstitious baseball people are, too. I mean, you know baseball people have seen this and, and uh, are reacting to it. Most of the front office folks aren't. <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I mean, most, most of them play money ball now. You know this, uh, but I just thought it was, it was very interesting because he's going to have three different World Series rings with three different teams on them, 
That's and pretty cool. Every, every fan base when they when when they saw Will Smith would groan because, you know, he he got himself in a lot of high leverage situations, but he pitched out of it. He just drove us nuts. Right. As you're sitting there chewing your fingernails watching watching the World Series and and like he's calling in Will Smith like oh no 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 Snit why'd you do that? But good for him. So it's actually end on a high note. So Kenny, big thanks to you. Thank you, Eric. Hopefully I, I, I see, you, see you tomorrow, Eric. We'll talk to you guys next week. Catch me howling at the moon